What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins. Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Video Land. Tonight, I talked with Bradley and Kyle from the Ministry of Cinema. They talked about their documentary, The Prequels Strike Back. The Prequels Strike Back helps us unlearn what we have learned about the prequels and teaches us about the methods to George Lucas's vision. Let's take another look at one of the most polarizing series of films in pop culture history. Please welcome the Ministry of Cinema. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us on Adventures. Not much, man. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Where are you guys calling from tonight? Uh, we're actually in Austin, Texas right now. So that's actually where we're headquartered. Right on, man. The Last Jedi releases like in 11 days, man. How hyped are you? <laughs> pretty excited, pretty, you know, uh, we, we actually, Kyle and I were talking about it right before this call, he, he hasn't even seen a trailer, and I just saw it once, I mean, we go in pretty, I've been trying to go in as blind as possible, uh, cause it seems like this one's gonna have a twist or turn in it, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna screw it up for myself, yeah, I'm just excited to see what they bring to the screen, and definitely, uh, not watching any of the stuff beforehand, uh, makes it, a real big surprise, and I definitely will see Star Wars in the theater, so I didn't want to save myself for that. Man, you guys are better men than me, man. I can't stay away from the trailers. Anything that they drop, I'm all, I'm all over it. <laughs> I I recently talked to my co-host, and I said that uh, next, uh, actually 2019, when the uh, last saga film comes out, I think that we're going to try to do that, not watch any of the trailers, you know, and none of the spots. I, I think that'll be a make for a fun experience, a fun and fresh Star Wars experience. Yeah, it's an experiment. I, I went for seven. I got, you know, I was deep in a rabbit hole. Yeah, I still ended up enjoying it, but I would, uh, this time, I've, I've tried to be more disciplined. Man, I knew everything about Force Awakens when it came out, man. Scene for scene. Huh. <laughs> when I, I followed every rumor mill, dude. Every every rumor. I knew everything when Force Awakens came out, man. I, don't, I didn't want to do that this time around. <laughs> What's the one question, though, that you guys want The Last Jedi to answer? I mean, there's a lot of questions, you know, like, who's Rey's parents? You know, will Rey turn to the dark side? Kylo Ren, is he is he, is he going to remain evil? Or is he going to turn good? Who is Snoke? Luke, is he dark side? Is he gray? So many questions. Um, uh, probably parentage? I don't know. What do you think, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested to see what, what Luke, you know, what, what Luke's involvement is, you know, going forward, because, you know, it's been so recluse that we don't really know much about him since the last, you know, movies, what, 30, 40 years ago. So I'm really excited to see what what he's going to be doing and kind of the training that he gives Ray, if he does give any training. You know, I know he's, she's on the island, but, you know, what's going to happen? And I'm really excited to see what, what Luke's story is going to be. Yeah, I'm excited to find out finally who Snoke is. I hope they answer that question. You know, is he is he Darth Plagueis? Is he you know a clone of the Emperor? Is he the you know, Old Republic? Just as long as he's not Boba Fett. You know, if he's Boba Fett, you'll have to do a whole other documentary defending Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never ready for that. <laughs> so, are you guys the biggest Star Wars fans out of your group of friends? Um, you know, you'd actually be surprised, man. Uh, we're probably not, to be honest. We have, you know, all of our friends are big nerds. We love Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, you know, you name it. 
Um, so we're probably middle of the pack, I would say, as far as like Star Wars fandom goes, which is really interesting because we're the ones that ended up making a documentary about it. But um, yeah, we have some diehards. Uh, I mean, we're all pretty much diehard, but we've got some, you know, guys who are even more serious than us. Wow. They go above and beyond. <laughs> I trust them for the uh, the lessons they provide for the you know, extended universe and even the new canon, kind of making sure that we understand and they'll, they're. They're pretty scholarly about it. Yeah, we're we've we've always been so interested in Star Wars more from uh, it, it's a it's kind of impact on cinema and some of the uh, myth. yeah the myth and, and kind of the high level stuff and really the minutia stuff, which is still still interests us. Don't get us wrong, but we're definitely not the the experts on that. Well, right on. Tell us about yourselves and the Ministry of Cinema. Yeah, so uh, I can start this one, but uh, so my brother Weatherhole has been making videos for quite a while. Kyle and I actually met up in, uh, what was it, junior high or high school? He started in high school, met up in junior high. Yeah, yeah, so we've been doing this for, for quite a while. How, how old are you guys uh, now? How old, are, how old are you guys now? Uh, 26. Okay, so, so we're, we're 10, 10 years in. Good, give or take, actually working together. Um, and we've done, we did a lot of freelance stuff, a lot of commercial stuff, uh, but we've always had our, you know, individual side projects. We did short films for a long time, and, you know, recently we just ventured off into the documentary scene and stuff like that, and that's kind of really where we found our niche. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, that's a little bit about us. And then Ministry of Cinema is something we formed, I don't know, four or five years ago. 2013? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of our studio, our, our um, it's not only our production studio, but it's also kind of our brand, bringing the online content that we make, uh, be it any short film, short video, or uh, even the documentaries fall under that umbrella as well. Right on. I've checked out a couple of your videos, like, you know, Who is M. Night Shyamalan? Those are pretty slick little videos, man. I like those. Three minutes. I think they're three minutes, right? Yeah, three minutes or less. No, I like that, man. I mean, it's a, it's a busy world, you know, and I think that's pretty cool, man, to be able to check out a director or something like that in three minutes and, and kind of get a little bit of, uh, you know, film school knowledge on it. You know, it's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, before we talk about your documentary, um, The Prequel Strikes Back, tell us how you guys were introduced to Star Wars. Do you remember your first experience, memories? You know, I could do an episode a week just about people's Star Wars memories in general. Yeah, well, that was actually one of the questions we asked everyone, too, when we were out on the road. Uh, my first experience was with the prequels, actually. My first Star Wars movie I saw, I believe, was episode one. I actually saw it in a drive-in theater uh, and believe it or not, I loved it, but I, I was so young, I actually fell asleep in the middle of it, and I woke up to the, in the middle of the uh, lightsaber battle at the end, and I remember that having a deeply profound effect on me uh, this little drive-in theater, and then from then on, uh, it just kind of like a jump cut to me just watching all of the Star Wars, but really, uh, you know, oddly enough, the prequels more than anything uh, when, I was, when I was young. Uh, just DVD. I mean, I must have destroyed the DVD of Attack of the Clones for some weird reason. That I watched that movie so many times. Uh, it's not even my favorite Star Wars now or anything, but as a child, that was 
the one I watched the most for sure. But what about you, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure exactly. What I do remember for sure is uh, my dad had, uh, you know, the gold first remastered VHS of the original trilogy. Uh, had that. My dad sat me down. Was like, we're going to watch Star Wars. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't even remember, but I think it was in preparation for Phantom Menace because I think he was actually more excited to see the new movie than, than I was. I didn't understand anything. So uh, definitely it was with the original trilogy, watching those VHSs, wearing them down until they pretty much can't play anymore. And then, you know, Phantom Menace going to the theaters and, and watching that with my dad and, and uh, pretty much saw all of the other ones since then with, you know, him or my brother or something like that. So it's definitely a, a family experience with Star Wars. That's cool, man. My uh, my dad was a janitor, man, at a high school, <laughs> and uh, he would uh, he would kind of like a, you know, record the uh, VHS tapes by tying two VHS or VCRs together, uh-huh. and he would he would go off and he would be talking to teachers in this high school, and it was like you know it was late at night, and I would just be in this classroom in front of a chalkboard, you know, telling him if if Empire Strikes Back was recording or if the if the tape was getting messed up on the on the VCR. So I love hearing people's different stories about you know when they first watched Star Wars. It just it, it's great, man. So take us back to like 1999, man. Phantom Phantom Menace released. You have Jar Jar Binks, Taxation, Trade Routes. Do you remember your initial reaction? Were you guys haters or defenders in 99? Because you guys were pretty young when they came out, right? Yeah, so I was eight, yeah, eight nine, that area. And so, uh, you know, I so the first time I watched it, I remember falling asleep. And it probably wasn't in the middle of the Trade Federation dispute, to be honest. I, I don't. I don't even really remember. Uh, but it was late at night. It was a night in a late screening, so that probably explains it. Yeah. But you know what? I it wasn't. I, I, that's one of the big hangups is how uh, how kind of uh, into the minutia of all the trade politics, especially with Phantom, uh, that it gets. And I, I I remember as a kid that not really bothering me that much. I mean, every let's be honest when you're when you're a child watching Star Wars, each movie had a boring part that you kind of wanted to skip and wait until you got uh, to a better part. So those just were Phantom Menace's boring parts to me. Uh, they weren't kind of like game changers. As a matter of fact, I didn't know anyone didn't like uh, Star Wars until I got older and we were on you know the internet. And then I remember watching, I don't know if you remember this, but Adam Films, they had, there was a website that had a, yearly, I think they teamed up with Lucasfilm, or maybe it was, no, I think it was teamed up with Lucasfilm, and they had a yearly Star Wars film uh, competition, like a fan film competition, and I remember being really excited to watch those, and the first year that it came out, there was one of the films that won was this huge hate piece on Jar Jar, was this cartoon talking about Jar Jar, and that was the first time I learned that people didn't like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> and that was like pretty late in the game. I mean, that was, I mean, we were at least into Attack of the Clones by that point. Um, and that generalizes, I think, to most people in my generation. Dude, they it's... They didn't have that experience at all. It's so funny you say that because I remember coming out of Phantom Menace and um, everybody was like, you know, like, man, what'd you think? And, you know, some people were ecstatic and then other people were like, you know, I'm processing it. I'm processing. I'm trying to figure it out, you know? And then, like, a year later, it was like, the prequels suck. 
You know, it was like, wow, where did that come from? You know? Yeah, the internet definitely played a huge part in that. And the group speak, and when people were able to, to digest it, and let's be honest, I mean, the, the fact that the films are, are d- definitely different from the original trilogy, and there was this huge disconnect between what people were expecting and what they received, um, I can definitely understand that. But I think the vociferousness or, or how how loud and how angry the fans got would, could not have happened if there wasn't the internet. I mean, if, if, uh, if Return would have came out at the same time as the internet, I think, you know, that probably would have been treated just as poorly if Ewoks were around when yeah. people had message boards. It probably would completely have changed the impact of that movie, but because the kids were able to stay in their own kind of isolated neighborhoods and communities and, you know, the opinion of just your group of friends in your neighborhood didn't really spread out much further. Uh, I think that really kind of saved the legacy of some of the uh, things that would be easier to kind of poke fun at now with the original trilogy. The prequels just weren't afforded the same luxury. And, you know, we, we can see where that... Yeah, and can you imagine being George Lucas? I mean, when did the internet really take off? Like, 95, 97? Was it somewhere around there? Yeah. Can you imagine yeah, getting getting blasted like that? Like, George Lucas sucks? I mean, can you imagine? That that was new for him. He's like, oh, my God. Can you imagine the stress of that? Oh, yeah. Well, just imagine the... the uh, and I, I, I feel terrible for Lucas. A lot of people, you know, don't share the same sympathy and they say, oh, you know, he's, he's wiping his tears away with his money and I don't know, I think that's a, uh, I think that's an inaccurate view on human pain and suffering, but uh, <laughs> I think he, I, I can't imagine that because especially because all of the fans, you know, were the ones pushing him to do the prequels and he yeah. had all these reservations over all these years and then he says, okay, well, I'm going to do these movies. I'm going to do it for me, but, uh, he, I'll share. Them with yeah, you. I'll share. Yeah, I'll share them with you. And to get this this response, I can't imagine. Oh, and I can't man. imagine. Like you know, I have my issues with the prequels, you know. But man, George Lucas has given us way more than than what he's taken away, you know. And I think your your documentary, I forget who it is, um, says even in the documentary, it's like, hey, it's, it's time to put the hatred for George Lucas away, you know. And it's so true. But yeah, that, it really is. It really I mean, is, it, right? Who else? Who else? You know, if there's no one else that has given a community so much and has been treated so disrespectfully for their perceived pitfalls, yeah, it's just—it's incredible to me. I think that's changing, and and it probably will continue to change. And hopefully, we don't have to wait until if this is some kind of posthumous thing and he's dead to where we revere him again. But I. Well, tell us about the prequel strike back and where the inspiration for the film came from, because you guys said at the top of the episode, you're Lord of the Rings fans. And I think the Hobbit's going through this, the same kind of thing right now that the prequels faced, you know? So why, why not Lord of the Rings or Hobbit? Why, why the, why the, the prequels? The irony about the Hobbit, it's funny you say that is like, I'm a hardcore uh, Lord of the Rings guy. Like that's my number one thing. And 
what happened with The Hobbit is what most people experience when they watch the prequels. And so I'm still processing that pain. I went through the whole rabbit hole. Uh, but then I, I find myself in that position, and I'm like, holy cow, don't don't turn this into hatred. So uh, that's, a, that's a whole other rabbit hole. Uh, rabbit hole that would take us three hours to talk about but yeah so I'm still processing that and the irony that I'm a hater of The Hobbit despite making a you know a documentary about not hating the prequels has not uh, been missed by me but to take it back to the prequels what got us uh, interested in that Kyle and I knew that we wanted to branch into documentary filmmaking for a while and we needed something that had an established audience um, that was timely, but we didn't know what that thing was until a friend of ours had uh, showed us this this online essay. He, you know, he said, "Hey, what, what is Frank Bay? Like it's a hundred pages. Yeah, it's Frank was like, oh, it's a thousand, hundred thousand pages and thousands of words, and it ends up being like a two or three page type of deal. And you know, it's Mike Feinberg's ring theory. And he, you know, our friend shared it with us. We're like, wow, this is we never thought about it like this. This is a really different way to think about the movies and as another way for people to maybe enjoy the prequel films or give them another chance just because they are so interconnected with the originals as well. So that, I think, really was the kicker, just wanting to do a documentary and then Mike Climo go ahead and making, you know, writing his essay. And uh, that really inspired us to, to work with him and, and put this thing out there. And what we thought from there was we thought, okay, um, if we can take this essay and more or less like one-to-one uh, make like a video essay about it or something small or make a short episode that's 10 to 20 minutes. Um, so we thought, okay, we'll fundraise. And uh, we had this huge success and turnout from the fundraise that we thought, okay, well, no, we're definitely going to turn this into a uh, feature-length film. And so when we contacted Mike, Mike actually ended up a huge resource. It, uh, when we were when we were fundraising, uh, I remember there was an AV Club article about the movie, and uh, someone had called uh, me the Darth Vader and him uh, Mike the Darth Sidious, and that he was kind of my pupil towards this going down to the dark side of thinking this different way about the prequels. <laughs> and uh, besides the fact that I don't think we're evil, and I probably he's more like Obi-Wan and I'm more like Luke in this scenario. Uh, it's not too far from the truth because what Mike did was he uh, shared, I mean, Mike has this huge uh, academic understanding of Star Wars. And uh, so what he did was he showed me all of these articles and, and snippets and features of George Lucas from the ages. I mean, stuff that I never heard about, never seen, um, analysis from, you know, Harvard professors to, uh, 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 just the most bizarre snippets. And, uh, some of it was about the original trilogy and a lot of it was about the prequels. And it provided this completely textured understanding of these movies that I had never talked about. And, that, and it has nothing to do with the ring theory, a lot of the stuff that he shared. And so he, you know, shared the things and then we, we were able to contact a lot of those people. And that's what kind of formed the basis for the entire documentary. Right on. And for our listeners, besides the documentary, where can they find more information about the ring theory? Uh, that's, uh, that's my 
idea was it to make you bradley the uh, the narrator of the documentary uh, can you talk about this the structure that you guys decided on because there's a few ways that you guys could have done it but the bewildered fan was a nice little touch have similar opinions about the prequels i mean you guys are friends so do you have arguments like most friends about this you guys pretty much on the same page
you know, when I never put any thought into it. I just wanted to, you know, be a part of the crowd. So I never thought about it. But then, you know, we went back and watched them, and we're like, you know, these these aren't bad. Of course, there's things in every movie, and more so than others that you're not going to like. But for the most part, I think this is Star Wars. We'll, we'll accept it. And then definitely, you know, learning with Mike, we, it definitely gave us both an appreciation. Now, definitely in our group of friends, we have uh, more people with slightly different opinions. I think there's still both, you know, fans of the prequels, but they'll definitely argue for way different, you know, points or different details in the, in the actual universe that, you know, for me, uh, I, don't, I don't care about it as much. I, I kind of care more about just what's happening on screen and the visuals and kind of like what uh, George Lucas made the movies for, for you to, to, to see the visuals, to hear the music, love the music, and, uh, you know, some some people don't uh, don't agree with us there, but uh, we still we still agree that we, we do like the movies. So I think our fans, our friends are pretty much on the same page, but definitely uh, there's been some conversations, but not between me and Brad, really. How long did it take you guys to put this documentary together? There's a lot of footage there, it seems like. How long was it? It was quite a, uh, quite a while. We did, we did what, uh, three different big journeys to get uh, all the interviews. We had a couple of one-offs here and there. We had a couple of shoot days where we did, uh, you know, narrative type of stuff like the psychologist, you know, where, where Brad was getting uh, interviewed uh, about his uh, obsession there. <laughs> and I bet you we spent probably about, about 15, 20 days shooting. Probably, yeah. We had a 15 yeah. production. And then we spent pretty much from that time we got back editing and uh, got everything about October. We had almost all the footage and we were still editing in, when did it come out? September? We got yeah. to get done with it until like July. Wow. A lot of what, a lot of what, you know, consumed a lot of time too was uh, dealing with legal because we had to. You know, we used a lot of clips from Star Wars in the movie, and obviously we didn't have the budget to pay for those rights, so we had to uh, use a little, you know, documentarian trick called fair use. And in order to, to follow under the rules of fair use, we had to go back and forth with our lawyer, which took, uh, that was probably the longest single stage in production was legal clearance. Just waiting for them to check it off. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of prequel bashing, so it is nice to hear something positive for once. What's your favorite moment, character, just anything from the prequels? Because I I do agree with a lot of what, what you guys stand for on this. Um, like I said earlier, I do have my issues, but I'm always um, you know telling people there are some really great things you know, in the prequels. Like, man, for me, I love the Duel of Fates. I think the Duel of Fates is probably my favorite Star Wars track. You know, um, Ewan McGregor I thought was a great Obi-Wan. Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon was great. So what are some of your guys' favorites? Um, my favorite moment maybe might be Duel of Fates as well. I mean, it's so, it's so amazing. And uh, I actually think the uh, soundtrack for the prequels is even better than the original Star Wars. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, sound, I mean, they, it's incredible. The, the prequel soundtrack is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, but favorite single moment, that's a tough one. Uh, man, there's so many good ones. Um it's so much more inconsistent than, say, episode four or five, um, but the highs are so high. Um, 
like I, I remember when you know Vader breathed for the first time. That was a pretty big moment, and yeah. that was like one of those moments in like the theater where people like like gasped and stuff. Uh, I remember this was not my favorite moment at all, but I remember this just goes to show you how different it was at the time. I remember when Attack of the Clones came out and Yoda drew a lightsaber. The, the theater I was in started cheering. Oh, it exploded! I mean, were, yeah. They were losing their minds. Everyone was so excited. And then now, you know, everything's changed. But it, it does kind of go to show you how much different uh, the, the reaction at the time was to what it is now. But I guess, I, I don't know. I'm going to go with Vader uh, breathing the first time. I'm sure the second we get off this call, I'm going to be like, oh, crap, I should have said something else. But it, that one was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a hard one. I would say the easiest one that comes to mind is definitely when I can't remember the names but it's when they're uh, it's Attack of the, of the Clones they're with uh, they're with um, Jabba the Hutt and they're in the the pit and they're on the chains and then you know I can't remember what scene that is but I like just when all of them then the clones come in and everybody's uh, fighting you see Mace Windy fighting yeah, 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 yeah. I just love that that whole the battle genome you know, yeah. that's what it is well, it's interesting you say that because you guys always break down cinema, and that has a very hardcore Ray Harryhausen touch to it. Yeah, we actually were going to go into that. That was one of the things that got cut that ended up on the uh, cutting board. Was the whole Ray Harryhausen? We had a whole interview with a guy who was super into um, Harryhausen and, and uh, modeling and stop motion and stuff like that. And yeah, that that scene is like straight out of. Uh, all, all of his work. Yeah, I, I want to continue to stay positive here because there's not very many positive, you know, discussions about the prequels. But I have to ask: Is there anything you can't forgive? You know, Jar Jar, midi chlorians, poop jokes. What's your biggest personal criticisms? Um. Yeah, and hey, it doesn't have to always be positive. That's totally cool. Um, we can, as a matter of fact, what's one of the things that the movie does a lot is kind of bring down the original trilogy and just, and, and I don't mean that to be negative, but just the kind of added perspective of like both of these trilogies have a lot of things that are kind of silly and we can put fun at. My biggest uh, thing that really bothered me oh, probably is going to be there's quite a few, actually. I mean, there's a lot. But one of the ones that really, really bothered me was when Padme's dying and... Or, or you're breaking my heart. That yeah. really bothered me a lot. Uh, or when she's, she's dying and then she's, like, giving birth to Luke and Leia and then the robot's just, like, giving her the baby. She's like, Luke, ah, Leia, uh, and then she just, like, dies. <laughs> I don't that just rubbed me the wrong way uh, at the time. Uh, that's probably my moment. What's your moment? That's just like, oh, God, the cringe. <laughs> you will try. <laughs> yeah, like that. I love that ending fight scene in Revenge of the Sith so much. I think it's really awesome, but then at the same time, it also just kind of keeps going. And then you're like, well, what are they? Why is it one of them died yet? They're, they're fighting on a lava planet. Like, how is this, how is this still going? And then you have the, I have the high run and well, try. I just, yeah. I just can't say something better than that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, it's it's whatever. That's a nitpicky thing for me. Well, do like Luke in uh, uh, episode oh. four, like 
Got a hot dog in the air. Got a hot dog in the Yeah, that one drives me crazy, too. Uh, but all the movies have that. And even whenever they drive me crazy, like, I don't want to change. Because it, it actually, it's like an endless source of joy. Yeah, well, Luke Skywalker's very whiny in New Hope, you know, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about that. No, no, you don't. Uh, there's a lot of really weird moments that happen in the original trilogy that you don't hear anything about. Uh, and that was large in part because people were children when they watched them. Yeah, it's really funny, though, that you brought up Mustafar because... I, one of my biggest problems with the prequels is in Revenge of the Sith, and I don't ever hear anybody talking about it. And it's when um, Obi-Wan tells Anakin, he's like, you know, um, I have the high ground, Anakin, don't try it. But I, then I think back to, you know, Phantom Menace, and Darth Maul had the high ground, but Obi-Wan whooped his ass. You know? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so why is he giving that advice, you know? Throughout that battle, they, the high grounds are moving in and out, in and out, like, because they're... They're fighting all over the place in that battle, and it's like 30 minutes, and they're, the high ground shifts very inconsistently, yeah, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, but it's really funny, man. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Fans really want to like or justify the prequel so much that they come up with that theory about Jar Jar being a Sith Lord. What'd you guys think of that? Yeah, there's no way that. That's right. It's really cool to imagine that. I'm not really one for uh, seeking out a lot of these theories, but I mean, that one was one of the ones that just went everywhere. I had to, I had to listen to that one, and it's somebody put in a lot of work on that one. That's really cool, but yeah, it's kind of. So I just don't, I just don't see Jar Jar as. I, I think he got a little bit more serious at, at Revenge of the Sith. I think he's, you know, he tried to redeem himself, but. Well, I think the actual story is much more compelling than that. It's like the fact that he was this, you know, he's this bumbling idiot Buster Keaton character that that eventually creates the downfall of the galaxy through uh, through his sheer, like his, he, he, his desire to help, but ignorance to everything. Because uh, I mean, he's, like, he's responsible for so much of the bad that happens, both cinematically and <laughs> literally plot-wise. Um, I think that's probably more interesting than any other theory. Yeah, you know what, man? I've been saying, we're on episode 248, I think, tonight, and I've been saying for years, man, that, man, you go back on some of the old episodes, and I go, um, you know, my my biggest problems with the prequels wasn't green screen or wooden acting, it was that, uh, and I'm not a Jar Jar fan, but it it wasn't that, they, they didn't give him a, they didn't give him an arc, they didn't complete his arc. And I think that was one of the worst things about the prequels because, you know, fans hated him, so they gave him a few minutes of screen time in Attack of the Clones, and then they just cut his character. They just cut it. So we don't know if he was an interesting character because of the fans, you know, giving all this backlash. Yeah. And, I mean, Jar Jar, let's be honest, I mean, he... uh, I remember in the movie theater, everybody laughing at Jar Jar's jokes, like, especially all the children. Um, And... If we're being really honest with ourselves, if you watch C-3PO in the original trilogy, I mean, he's not exactly not annoying. (laughs) I mean, uh, as an adult, I mean, now it's so endearing and I love it because it's Star Wars and C-3PO is this big goofball. But parents, I mean, they they lost their minds at the time. They're like, what is this golden robot? Just, you know, he needs to shut up. (laughs) 
generationally, you know, there were people my age that, you know, their favorite character was Jar Jar. And this sounds so crazy now, you know, yeah. but uh, he was a, he was a, you know, a children's character. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, mean, I tell you, I feel sorry for the poor guy that got the Jar Jar tattoo, you know, in 1999. <laughs> 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 I don't know about that choice. Hey, YOLO, man. <laughs> so, let me ask you this, guys. Is your documentary guaranteed to repair butthurt damaged childhoods? <laughs> um, not guaranteed, but I would be, I would be shocked if someone went in with an open mind and watched it and didn't have some kind of perspective change about the prequels. Because it's not this, uh, I think a lot of people are afraid, and the name doesn't help, it's called The Prequel Strikes Back, that it's this big, you know, propaganda piece or that it's this really unfair, naive look at the prequels. And uh, I think really if people gave it an open, had an open mind and went in, they may not, you know, completely change their mind about the prequels, and that was never our goal. Um, but I would be surprised if they didn't learn something new or uh, kind of have to watch them. Yeah, at least go back and watch them with some new sense of appreciation. I, I would be shocked, but um, I guess that's for each audience member to decide. Yeah. Well, with you know, with you guys touring and stuff, have you guys, you know, talked with any fans who have actually changed their opinions because of your documentary? Yeah, so we've actually had quite, a, I mean, a, a great response. And, and it's not like, you know, someone's completely had a huge about face. And most of the conversion that happens is, most of it is a, a look back at how it fits into the entire saga as a whole. So those people, like, you know, someone who's in their 30s or 40s when they watch Phantom Menace and they, you know, it's the worst night of their life, they haven't come back and called us and been like, hey, you know, now that wasn't the worst experience of my life. Like, no, they're still traumatized by it. But they're able to, uh, a lot of those people are able to now see what George had in mind and are able to uh, take a more holistic look at Star Wars. Because at the end of the day, even if you don't like the prequels, if you uh, accept the mythology of the prequels and you accept the filmmaking that's done in the prequels, it will ultimately greater give you a greater appreciation of the original trilogy as well. Yeah. Because most most of the goodness that happens in Star Wars is when it's viewed as the whole and not as its individual parts. Yeah, and something else I've always said is we can talk crap about Lucas, but I think he's added more to the mythology with the prequels than, you know, J.J. Abrams, you know, the, the new leadership here with Kathleen Kennedy. You know, when we're talking planets and ships and, you know, with the Clone Wars, you know, he's added so much to the mythology just with with these uh, with those prequels. No, no doubt. No doubt about that. Now, has anyone accused you, though? The, the flip side here, has anyone ever accused you guys of overanalyzing? Because I'm, I'm sure you guys have been trolled in some forums, though, right? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we'll get the, the occasional here and there. Of, uh, you guys missed this point, and this point receives all the points you make. And, you know, a Jedi would never do that and all that. But nobody's been just, without it just being just coming out of this, just, you know, coming out of a room just a place of hate to, to use the word like some people just want to be that guy on the internet but we've never really had anybody that's been just, just super hardcore 
movie. And uh, they really haven't just given us an overall, you know, uh, seizure thumbs down on it and just tried to attack us or anything like that. Well, and the irony to that, too, is most of the people who will say that we're overanalyzing them from a cinematic perspective uh, are the same people who will then freeze frame every single shot of a trailer and see how many times a pork smiles or how many times, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z happens. And so they have their own over, you know, analysis on these really minutia, this trivial stuff. Um, whereas what we're trying to do is provide kind of a cinematic approach and provide a more holistic uh, view of Star Wars. Right on. You interviewed some really interesting people um, in your documentary. Can you tell our listeners who they will be seeing when they watch your documentary? Yeah, so the big ones, uh, Mike Final, obviously, uh, he, you know, he's the guy who came up with the Ring Theory, but also just an all-around, just Star Wars buff. Um, there's Kevin Smith, who's in the movie, uh, who provides us this hilarious take on when he watched uh, Phantom Menace for the first time. Uh, there's uh, Ann Lancashire, the Harvard professor I was, uh, I was talking about earlier. There's a uh, you know, Dr. Uh, uh, Joseph, yeah, Jonathan Young uh, from the Joseph Campbell Institute, uh, who really kind of gives us perspective on the hero's journey and, and everything. Uh, there's dozens of fans. Um, there's critics. There's James Berardinelli from Screen Views. Uh, there, there, it's just real views. Yeah, real views, rather. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's a plethora of, of fans, uh, critics, and kind of literary people. Uh, so it's, it's really this kind of different, unique approach that I don't think most people get when they watch Star Wars. Yeah, it was a, it was a really or great it was a really great cast of just intelligent people to talk to about the prequels. I really appreciated that. Uh, with my viewing, but um, was it hard to get Kevin Smith nailed down? I'm sure he's a busy guy. Look, yeah, <laughs> it took a little bit of luck, and we actually shot with uh, a couple of days before we actually were shooting with his executive producer uh, for a lot of his projects, a man named J.C. Reifenberg, and we were able to kind of name drop J.C. at the opportune time, and it, and it allowed... Uh, Kevin to kind of take our project seriously and and, and jump on board and, and be a good sport of participating. And we're, yeah, we're very thankful uh, for him for doing that because it turns out to be a really funny piece of the movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I won't spoil it for people, but it, uh, it put a smile on my face talking about the prequels there. Um, but was there anybody you wanted to talk to, uh, but you couldn't? Um, my big one was Camille Paglia. She's a... Uh, a fairly controversial uh, feminist uh, Lacanian thinker uh, who once said that, you know, Revenge of the Sith is the greatest work of art of our time. Uh, and so this is someone who's super high up in the kind of uh, intelligentsia. Uh, she's a very well-respected academic. And uh, her take on uh, Revenge of the Sith is just so interesting. Oh and man, I would have loved to have uh, seen that, dude. Like, I would have loved to have heard yeah, that because um, I, I said you go back to our Force Awakens review and fresh out of the theater, I was like, you know what, guys? 
I love Force Awakens. I thought it was great. You know, I have my issues with it being kind of a remix, obviously, of the uh, the original trilogy. But I said I loved it because of the cast of characters that they have in here with John Boyega, Oscar Isaacs, etc. But you know what? I go, I think I like Revenge of the Sith better because I really like Revenge of the Sith. I think I would put it over Force Awakens. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a certain texture, uh, nature to Revenge of the Sith uh, that I don't want to, you know, knock Force Awakens or anything like that. But I think if you're taking it from the level of subtext, there's a lot more to draw analysis from from Revenge of the Sith than there is uh, the Force Awakens by a long shot. Yeah, and that Phantom, that uh, the uh, the the opera scene, that opera scene is so well directed. I think Lucas was really pulling out his chops in Revenge of the Sith. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. And he, yeah, and in uh, I mean, it's very operatic. Uh, it's kind of the culmination of a lot of the things he wanted to do uh, visually and musically throughout the entire saga. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. What was her name again? Camille Paglia. She's, uh, she teaches at the, I believe, the Art Institute of Philadelphia. Don't quote me on that. Um, but she can actually, I believe it's chapter 12 of her book, Glittering Images, is where a lot of her stuff comes on, uh, on that. Um, but yeah, she, look into her. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, this is the thing that a lot of the Star Wars fandom doesn't understand, is that the, the intellectual... Uh, kind of academic class actually takes the prequels more seriously than the other Star Wars. And that blows people's minds away. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the paradigm shift on how they view the prequels. Yeah. Uh, and, and their understanding of, uh, of cinema and kind of its history. And the... Uh, so as a work of popular fiction, they may not... You know, they may not uh, hold as much weight in people's eyes, but, uh, you know, I was reading a New Yorker article the other day where this guy was going off, and I mean, this is the New Yorker, was going on about how Attack of the Clones is by far the best Star Wars movie ever made. And that was shocking to me because yeah. no one ever says that in the fake community. Um, and this is this, you know, this is this super hoity-toity guy. So I think, you know, I think there's a, a difference in the prequels and, and how they're viewed depending on which kind of community and which kind of uh, way of thinking you take with them. Yeah, and as we draw to a close here, um, if, if Video Landers were to give the prequels another chance, what would you want them to take away from it the second time around? Um, I think the number one thing for me would be to understand that the, the prequels are... Uh, are very, very, very similar to the original trilogy, both visually and thematically, uh, and how they're structured, in that if you're going to take a look at Star Wars, the, at least the Lucas uh, saga, the, the first six episodes, that you, you, your appreciation of episode five, episode six, episode four, is so much enhanced when you understand visually and understand thematically what's happening in the prequels that kind of bolster those, uh, those thoughts that are introduced in the original trilogy. 
Right on. And um, our listeners will probably be marathoning Star Wars this week. So what do you guys suggest the best viewing order, uh, whether it be chronological, release date, that, that machete order? Well, how would you guys recommend people marathoning these Star Wars movies? Uh, I'm going to go to release date uh, if, they, if they don't know anything about it. But uh, someone said this to me once, and it actually kind of changed my perspective, is that if they don't know anything about it, then if you actually start with the prequels, then they get a twist too. Because most people don't want to ruin the twist of, you know, Vader in episode five. But the thing is, is people who haven't seen the, any of them, they get a twist in that they get to see Anakin turn into Darth Vader, and that's a complete surprise to them as well. Uh, so I think either way, you kind of, there's a certain appreciation. But I just think from, I would be watching it, like from a filmmaking perspective, and I would want to do four, five, six, one, two, three, personally. Right on. How about you, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how I'm always watching, too. Four, five, six, one, two, three. Um, I don't see a problem with just watching them straight up in order. One, two, three, four, five, six. But uh, I kind of like starting with the new home first. You know, you get, you get the, the happy story, and then you go back and you actually see, you know, what led to this happy story at the end, which is really neat. Yeah, I'll be introducing uh, Star Wars to my daughter for the first time, you know, like, she was never really into Star Wars, she turns 13, and, um, you know, she was really, you know, she, she just got into this geek stage, you know, so she's actually curious about Star Wars, and, you know, real quick, by the way, I love how the beginning of your document your documentary had a young kid um, experiencing Star Wars for the first time, which was you, right, Bradley, is that how you experienced it? Yeah, yeah, and then it's actually my son playing me, and then my son playing himself later yeah which is so awesome it's under a fort made out of like pillows and blankets and that's how i watch movies with my daughter but you know we watch it lego uh, lego movies like that uh, despicable me so we're watching all of the star wars movies like that this week and the beginning of next week we got eight we gotta fit in here so yeah by the way that was that was a really nice touch so i'm kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to show my daughter for the first time because I, you know, I usually when I watch them, I'm a fan of watching them in uh, chronological order. But I don't disagree with you guys. I mean, that release date, you know, there's some really nice surprises in there. So I got to really think about how I'm going to show them to my daughter for the first time. <laughs> it's a big decision, but hey, there's no wrong way, so that's that's comforting. Guys, I really enjoyed the prequel Strikes Back. It was it was informative. It covered a lot of ground, so I'm looking forward to your next project. What's next for Ministry of Cinema? Well, we don't know what's going to be next as far as our big documentary goes, but for now, uh, a lot of our time is being spent building up our YouTube channel and uh, providing content there. So we've been coming out with video essays and and a a whole bunch of other uh, videos that you can check out uh, on our YouTube channel and also on our site, ministryofcinema.com. Yeah, which I'll vouch for those, man. Like I said, I watched a couple and I really enjoyed them and I'll be going back to them. Uh, but just as a fan of your guys' conversations, have you ever thought about talking about like uh, the Clone Wars series? There's a fun theory you guys have probably heard of that the entire series is like a collection of Republic propaganda videos and then the removal of the Clone Wars web series, which I'm a huge fan of. Have you guys ever watched the web series? Yes, back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that would be fun. Have you guys ever talked, you know, thought about, you know, doing a, an episode or something on, you know, the, the Clone Wars and if it is Republic propaganda videos? 
we have we actually had uh, well I, we might still be able to get them but uh, there's uh, without sharing too much information uh, we've we've actually been in contact with a few voice actors from the original Clone Wars series oh cool uh, and so we uh, you know that that might be down the road uh, that we we have an episode come out about the Clone Wars specifically and maybe even have content uh, where we talk about individual episodes and kind of thematic structures that happen that take place in the cartoon series. That's but awesome. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a possibility. Definitely subscribe to make sure that you uh, might see that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I did. I well. yeah, I, I did that today. So. Um, what about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? That's you know very closely related, and there's a lot of backlash to that. Anything in the future about maybe uh, you know talking about that? Yeah, so I mean, it's like the Hobbit, right? Yeah. Trying not to uh, trying not to let the hate take over because it's a dangerous thing. So we're trying to remain positive. We might shift gears and be able to kind of really uh, grind our gears at uh, some of the movies like uh, Crystal Skull and, and, and The Hobbit. But for now, we're just trying to stay positive and, and trying to focus on things that we like about movies. One of my favorite, you know, film theorists, Andre Bazin, uh, you know, he's kind of the, the founder of all film criticism. His big thing was kind of like, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But his thing is you should only really review the movies that you like. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm 100% in line with that, but uh, I do think there is a certain wisdom to just providing constructive criticism and providing, uh, you know, criticism of greatness. Uh, I think that goes a, a much longer way. Yeah, I can't argue with that. We are known as uh, the critics with attitude, <laughs> so we uh, we kind of speak our minds a little bit too much, probably on adventures in Video Land. But uh, I do agree again with a lot of what you guys are saying. If I, I think if it does deserve to be propped up, you know, and, and respected and talked about, it should be. And I really do think there is a lot more good and positive about the prequels than negative. You know, so you know, thank you for 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 doing this. I think it's a it was a great conversation. That's. You know, a lot of people don't talk about. Um, you also just released the prequel Strike Back, Strike Back. Um, do you want to plug those videos real quick? <laughs> yeah, so we're actually been releasing a series of follow-up episodes to the prequel Strike Back. Uh, you know, ironically titled the prequel Strike Back, Strike Back. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we have a different episode coming out each month. We're probably going to be doing this for a couple more months, to be honest. Uh, as we've collected more and more interviews. Um, so, yes, the best way to check this out is to subscribe to our YouTube channel, or also you can subscribe to our newsletter on uh, ministryofcinema.com. And we, uh, you know, we are really excited to kind of uh, release some of these, the new episodes we have coming out. The first one was with Mike Climo. The second one was, uh, was a big take at Star Wars video games. Uh, but in the third and fourth episodes, we've got even, you know, some more exciting things coming up. So, yeah, definitely, you know, check them out. If you like the movie, then I, I think you'll definitely like these as well. Also, is there anything else that you guys would like to add to tonight's conversation? No, I think you pretty much covered it all. I mean, it was really thorough. I mean, I, I can say I really enjoyed it. Uh, right. Yeah, so... 
you know, we just want to thank you for having us on. It's a good time. And uh, if, if people, you know, if they watch the prequels and if there's anything that they learn from it, we'd love to hear what people have to say. So comment uh, either on our YouTube videos or you can always send us an email. Uh, we'd love continuing the conversation. Awesome. And where else can Videoland find you? You're on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, any of that? Yeah, so we're on on, on Twitter, of course. Uh, if you're if you're really, you know, just want just the Star Wars news from us, you can follow us at, at Unlearned Prequels. Uh, if you'd like a little bit of everything uh, from our channel, you can follow us at, at Ministry Cinema. We left out the uh, of there because Twitter won't let us fit two more letters in. <laughs> uh, Damn them. But, uh, <laughs> best way to, to check out the movie go to prequelstrikeback.com if you get it straight from our website you're going to get you know uh, DRM free downloads you can put it on whatever you want you get the behind the scenes you get the audio commentary if you get the uh, if you choose to get the contributor edition we have audio commentary on there and then every episode of the prequel strike back strikes back is going to be on there uh, early for those people and uh, nomads high resolution all that good stuff awesome thank you once again guys for taking the time and May the force be with you. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist that last line there. <laughs> so to our listeners, uh, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. We're on Instagram. But the conversation begins and ends on Facebook. So until next time, my good people, you've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Good night. Yeah.